This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com. G'day New Zealand, welcome to Neville Rides the Boundaries, coming to you from Access Radio Taranaki, and I'm Neville Wallace, broadcaster from Hara, and also coming to you from Coast Access Radio, Radio Hawks Bay, Arrow Radio Masterton. Today's four guests are Karen Williams from FMG, Philip Duncan from weatherwatch.co.nz, Taranaki King Country MP Barbara Currie, and Waitaki Councillor Jim Hopkins. So let's get the facts from Karen Williams about preventing those birds from nesting in tractors, melanoma awareness season, and Blue September Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. Our guest today is wire wrapper farmer Karen Williams, and we're going to be discussing the increasing number of Kiwis and that's New Zealanders that get melanoma and how to protect yourself from our violent sun, sunlight. So, good afternoon, Karen. Good afternoon, Neville. Karen, it's uh, mating season for birds. Birds nest anywhere. What have you found out being a cropping farmer and a lot of machinery with birds nesting in places where they shouldn't be? Yeah, they're um, they're a bit of a pest with that, and and certainly with my my FMG hat on, um, we've been. Well, well aware for some time about the risk that birds nesting um, presents to uh, tractors, tractor fires, um, and certainly you know that nesting time through spring, um, the starlings are the biggest pest of all. And I think a fun fact to realise is you know they can build a nest in well under an hour. So mm. you've got your tractor out and you you know pop home for lunch, or you shoot into town to pick something up, or certainly when you leave the tractor overnight. Um, by the time you get back, a starling can have um, uh, generated a, um, a nest in, in that period of time. And obviously, once you start that tractor um, and the nest starts to heat up, then you you know you, it ignites and you and you've got a fire scenario. So. Um, very easy to overlook this, but at FMG we've certainly we've been campaigning for a while now um, with our campaign called Stop and Pop, and that is really just wanting to encourage all uh, farmers but all tractor users to just make sure that you stop and pop the hood and check for bird's nest um, before you sort of um, get on with your day's work. Karen, there's many different varieties of tractor different horsepower, but what would a general, what would we say, 120 horsepower tractor cost nowadays? Oh, Neville, you've, you've floored me a bit there. Um, well, they'd be I, over 100 grand, wouldn't they? Oh, well and truly. I, um, some of the, the bigger ones, are certainly the, the ones that are capable of um, pulling heavy machinery, we're looking up of three hundred thousand um and, and then some and obviously you know even after the, over the last um period period of time with supply chain issues you know there's they have continued to go up in price so often and, and there's the delays when you're getting it built new as well so by the time you order and lock in your price um it's significantly dearer yeah, by the really. time it lands in new zealand so um yeah very difficult and, and i would um be a little bit concerned about 
you know, how for how much longer will farmers um, be able to afford to buy new tractors um, given the, the price that they're going? And with it, yeah, it's, it's all very well getting uh, second-hand tractors, that's fine, but, you know, the maintenance um, requirements on those can shoot up as well. So, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky space, um, and certainly for an arable farmer, we're very much about reliability and, and wanting that tractor to, you know, to, to go well, and you get particularly aged machinery that can present more risk to the business. Now, there was a program, you might be aware of it too, about being half-assed on the farm. Would this be a topic that you would want to tell your staff about? Absolutely. So that's um, an initiative from Safer Farms. So um, being, um, it was an organisation I was involved with. Lindy Nelson's chairing that. Um, and I love the way they've, they've come up with that that word half-assed um, or those words. And I, I think not because, you know, accidents happen on the farm and that doesn't yeah. mean it's, it's necessarily because someone's been half-assed. You know, there will be... Um, things that's um, unfortunately unpreventable accidents. And so don't want to discredit anyone who's had a tragedy on their farm and, and, and attribute blame to them. But what this campaign that Safer Farms is running is that quite often a few of those uh, incidents, if you like, is because we've been a bit casual, a bit rushed, um, trying to do too much. Yeah. Um, and look, there's certainly scope there to um, change that behaviour by just putting some simple steps in place and prioritising ourselves and our staff members over getting the job done. Now, I don't want to turn everybody into bird watchers, but what is the starling population like down in your neck of the woods, Karen? Yeah, look, we're not so bad. Um, at our, we seem to be more swallows, um, and they, uh, yeah, they, they'll nest... Well, they'll, they'll roost in the sheds where our tractors are kept. Um, but they appear to be more of a problem with um, bird poo over everything as opposed yeah. to the, the nesting and the tractors. But that, that doesn't mean, you know, we, we, we still need to be really vigilant and, and, and check what's, what's going under the hood. Um, but I know, um, you know, with my FMG hat on, certainly Southland, um, you know, I think yeah, there's the starlings as well, and and they got very involved last year in a campaign with their farmers, um, led by their their team, um, is, is to is to do the stop and pop, and they yeah. managed to drive down the the number of claims quite significantly, just over from comparing from twelve months previously. So, um, the starlings are are a pest, and they do spread throughout the country, and I think um, given the impact on your farming business and being able to access a replacement tractor, let alone the cost and the imposition and the insurance and all of, all of the admin yeah. hassle that goes with it, not being able to have your tractor readily available, um, it is worth the, the couple of minutes it takes to just stop and have a look. Because the other thing, I'm just reading a book about... Uh helicopter pioneer down the west coast and I'm just sort of thinking even helicopters would be subject to that too possibly yeah I'm, I don't know a lot about helicopters but um, either, I but... certainly suggest you want to be quite precautionary there as well well I think we've done everything about the bird nests uh, Karen but uh, one you and I share 
<laughs> but with his melanoma. It is the season and the UV levels are rising, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and we look, we're looking at, you know, with a, a, a severe El Nino pattern um, forecast for this coming spring, summer, autumn. Um, it's going to be hot and, and, and dry and windy. Um, not a lot of, potentially not a lot of cloud cover, so we're going to get maximum exposure. So it's, it's time now to, just like the, it's time to check tractors for, for nests, it's also time to start getting out the sunscreen, slapping it on, get, get that hat out there, um, and, and, and seeking shade when and where you can as well. Um, it's, you know, it doesn't take long to burn the exposure as oh, you'll see this. Is, is pretty bad, and then otherwise, um, you know, it's life-threatening, or and it's um, a massive inconvenience of constantly getting bits cut out or burned mm-hmm. or addressed. And as you as you well know, Neville and yep. um, my husband yep. and I, but certainly my my dad has had hundreds of, of wee surgeries, um, and it's it's not much fun. Because, well, I just went through, I found some melanoma facts, and they say there's more than 6,000 melanomas are diagnosed in New Zealand every year. Uh-huh. And New Zealand and Australia have the highest UV levels. They're 40% higher than anywhere else in the world. Yes, yeah, we are particularly bad, and we do have a lot of fair-skinned, blue-eyed yeah. um, people. Like, um, I'm not sure if you're blue-eyed as well, are you? Yes, I am. Yes, same as me then. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, um, certainly the, the target for that. We just sort of don't have that, that resilience in our pigmentation. So, you know, it's, it's, it's another thing. It's another thing to do, but, you know, really, really important to look after your skin. Um, and, you know, I know, you know, a lot of our businesses and particularly in this, in the egg space, they're really good at supplying um, the free hats, and, and we're seeing more bucket hats than just the peak caps these days too. Yes. Um, but yeah. as an employer, look, get that sunscreen and um, put it in lots of places so it's it's really available. It's on the quad, it's in the tractor, it's um, at the back door as you're leaving and putting your boots on um, and share it around with any of your visitors as well. It's it's an obligation, I think, as, as the host of whoever's visiting your farm or property. Oh, exactly. Couldn't agree more with you about wearing a decent hat. But uh, also the other aspect, Karen, is wear sunglasses because you can get reflections with the UV from water and concrete. Yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, the eye damage thing is, is probably something we don't talk enough about. Um, fortunately, it is. It is trendy to have a cool pair of sunglasses, and, and there's some very good uh, styles and designs now that um, can sort of wrap around your face and protect as much of your eyes as possible. Um, and I, you know, look, absolutely encourage that. And, and it's even these days with the severity of, of the, the UV rays, it's, it's thinking differently about how you dress as well and opting for the long sleeve um, and, you know, rather than constantly putting the sunscreen on but you know those yeah. I know those sort of breathable cotton shirts um you know they don't feel too hot to wear in summer sort of the old traditional air techs um really 
really mm-hmm. useful on the farm. And, and certainly our, you know, our merchandise stores have those stocked. And above all else, I would think we could just about wrap this one up, Karen. Get a warrant of fitness from your doctor periodically, no longer than six months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think what you should do, Neville, because it's it's in the back of your mind and it's another job to do, but when you have have one, book in the next one so it's locked into your calendar um, and then it's just a matter of hopefully the doctor... Surgery, flicking you out a, a, a text reminder. Um, but when it, yeah, I just think you've got to build it into the routine and get those things checked. Get the moles and the, and the slightly different things that are turning up on your skin checked. Um, we've, you know, we've got to look after ourselves and we've got to encourage our mates and family um, and, and, and staff members to, to look after themselves as well. So culture of care is what it's called. It is, and I can tell you of a person whose wife gave him a bloody hard time for a long time and uh, when it was finally removed yes you had a melanoma there it was a bad bugger Uh, (laughs) yeah you know get someone else to have a look at it too Karen so you know but for heaven's sake people out there do it don't put it off don't keep putting it off Karen I think we've got time Blue September, prostate cancer awareness. We've got no indicators, and that's a man's complaint. If you Uh can't pee straight, if there's blood in it, for heaven's sake, again, go and get medical advice, I would advise. What's your thoughts there, Karen? Oh, absolutely. And look, um, you know, the whole campaign about uh, breast cancer and cervical cancer, and that has really built momentum um, we want to build the same sort of momentum for our, um, our frequent men's health challenges and, and prostate cancer, you know, is, is one of those. So, yeah, look look after yourself out, out there. Go and be be proactive. As you've said, Neville, book, we'll get the appointment, get the skin checked, the prostate checked, and, and a bit of blood pressure, heart, the whole, whole nine yards yeah. because... Um, you know, there's, there's so many special things in life. Um, and, and when you, if you, if you haven't looked after your health, um, that diminishes really rapidly. So, um, I encourage all of our, all of your listeners, all of our, our men, they're a very important part, um, to just go out there and be proactive and, and encourage your mates to do it as well. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Well, Thank you, Karen Williams, for such an interesting insight into bird nest awareness. <laughs> Probably just one final comment I had on that is, is just to remember your fire extinguisher in the tractor. Um, yeah, so uh, make sure it's a, a serviced, serviced and, and keep it on that left-hand side so when you're bolting out of the tractor, um, <laughs> heading to sort of uh, address it, you grab it. And it's um, it's ready to go because those those few it seems a bit silly, but those few seconds will yeah, make all the difference yeah. to um, minimising the damage to your tractor. Well, so well done, Karen. Thank you for everything you've divulged today. It'll make a jolly interesting program. I know it's always really nice to chat to you, Neville. And um, yeah, I'm pleased Shona pushed you off to off to the doctors. So you listen to Shona. Duncan joins me to discuss the weather and the likelihood of a very dry summer. Good 
morning, Philip Duncan. After reading, watching and observation, I think this could be a dry season. Your comments? Yeah, it is looking very dry. In fact, you know, the, the last week we just had, uh, we saw a number of regions quite dry and also very warm. Um, you know, it, it switched quite quickly from cold nights to warmer mornings and just uh, seeing those temperatures getting up into the late 20s. You know, it was 29 degrees in Canterbury on Thursday. So hot weather coming through and Australia also getting this hot weather, which is why we're getting it. You know, Australia just had, um, Sydney just had its hottest ever September uh, temperature, which is, I think was 30, around about 36 degrees. And they've got 70 fires burning now in New South Wales alone. So it's, it's a very early start to the fire season. And El Nino, which has just been announced, just adds a little bit more wind and warmth into that forecast. And so we are expecting a drier weather pattern to start to kick in around New Zealand. In fact, it's already starting. Now you just mentioned fire season. In Australia, but I hear we've got uh, fires down at Twizel now. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's an early start to the season. We've got fires burning in New Zealand. There are about four or five in New Zealand at the moment. Um, the one, in, obviously, you know, some are controlled, others are not. Over in Australia, when they've got, you know, they've got over a hundred of them burning across the, the country. So we're going to get some of that smoke drifting our way. We've actually seen that in the last week from us from Australia. And New Zealand's fire risks really do increase as we go through the weeks ahead because we're going to be seeing more of these windy westerlies out of Australia. And on top of that, we're going to be seeing more in the way of um, high-pressure zones coming out of Australia. So those high-pressure zones, you know, calm conditions, but if they're sitting over Alice Springs for a week and then they drift over the North Island of New Zealand – well, all the air that's inside that high-pressure zone has just been heated by the Australian interior and Australian deserts. So we can expect some pretty warm, dry weather coming into New Zealand, but mixed up, as we've just seen this last weekend, with some rain, because the Southern Ocean um, is right there on our back doorstep, and that half of New Zealand sticks out into the roaring 40s. Uh, there's no other country on Earth that has that much land in the, in the roaring 40s. So we are very exposed to this, uh, this sort of changeable weather, which is a positive. Now, Shona and I went to Wanganui yesterday. We couldn't get over the temperature gauge get rising as we went down. On the way home, it was so warm, so hot, and now you mention smoke. The horizon looked like smoke when we look to the east, and that's what I'm picking. It would be that Australian smoke, maybe. Yes, it got brought in by a really big high-pressure zone, the same high-pressure zone that brought us this beautiful weather. Uh, but it, it sort of, you know, high-pressure zones, they trap what, whatever they cross over. So, you know, they, if they move over an area with a lot of um, smoke, then it will sort of trap that smoke with it and, and drag it across the Tasman and into New Zealand. So it wasn't so much a windy airflow that dragged it over, but, but a lot more of that high-pressure zone. And, and yeah, it was very noticeable. Windy weather could also bring in um, pollen and dust, and it can also drag in sea spray. If you've had a really windy period of weather off the Tasman, often get a, a very similar-looking um, haze. But the smoke does tend to have more of a blue-grey look yeah, to it, yeah. and it is very noticeable at sunset and sunrise when it goes very orange. 
Well, on that dismal outlook, I would say thank you, Philip Duncan. Much appreciated <laughs> as usual. And watch this space, folks, because it's going to get drier. It is. It's going to be a very interesting summer. Thanks for your time. Barbara Kuriger with a roundup of activities that she's been involved with this week. Well, good morning, Barbara. Better catch up with how far you've been this last week and what have you seen that you can tell us about. Oh, well, Neville, just been um, wandering around the electorate, actually, just uh, going from one end to the other. I think last week when we signed off, we were talking about uh, rugby, and uh, I uh, went to the King Country rugby game, uh, and pleased to say they won against Horafanua. Uh, so that was actually a good start uh, to the week. Um, that was last last Saturday, that was. Um, but I have to say, it was really interesting after watching some of these World Cup rugby games, and I know when the All Blacks had that really bad loss to South Africa, uh, it took about an hour to do the first 40 minutes by the time you get the uh, all the TV cameras and the yeah. sideline and the people up in the box. and It was just jolly good to watch a great game of provincial rugby where uh, there was a ref that could make decisions. She was a woman, by the way, which was even more outstanding, uh, but somebody who can actually make, make decisions without having to go upstairs all the time and just good basic rugby again. It was pretty cool to watch. And, um, and I suppose the other saying of the last... Um, few weeks has been up the wires. So, you know, there's a bit going on with the Rugby World Cup, but actually the Warriors are giving everybody a, a bit of a thrill. And as I've been driving around, you know, apart from all the political signs around, there's quite a few up the wires signs outside people's places. And I guess one of the things about those signs is that they they unite us all as a country. So you never know from some little kid saying what's going to uh, eventuate from it. So talking about little kids uh, this weekend, I've got our youngest granddaughter's fourth birthday party, so um, we've, uh, that'll be a little bit of a celebration. I missed her third birthday uh, because I last year there was the same day was the uh, John Luxon Memorial um, for it was a netball and rugby game, uh, and and it was a parliamentary you know parliamentary teams, and because it was John Luxon who was always a great mentor of mine uh, in the agricultural industry, I went along to that. So I missed her third birthday party, but I need to be at her fourth one with bells on, and um, and we were going to take the opportunity over the weekend to take her big brother. Skiing, he's actually quite good at the skiing, but um, but unfortunately um, I, the weather's beaten us on that one. So looks like we're going to have to find another adventure. But um, I'm sure we'll find something that we can that we can possibly do with him that'll that'll make it up to him. So the other things I've been doing, um, just been really out and about. Went to uh, the Western North Island Beef and Lamb Council AGM this week and um, uh, got some reports on what was happening in that sector. I know there's Fonterra meetings uh, coming up shortly as well, but um, we um, we had at the Beef and Lamb Council the opportunity to have a really good presentation by uh, Alan Beck, uh, who's so well known in this province of Taranaki for his helicopter work. Um, he's a he's an excellent guest speaker um, and talked a, a lot about the well, not just about the helicopter business, but about uh, his life and his process and how he got to where he got to, uh, and then um, 
and and you know it hasn't been an industry that's been without its um, this loss of people over the years. And came out of that meeting, and the Westpac rescue helicopter from the Waikato had uh, crashed on uh, Parongia while it was going to pick somebody up. Luckily, nobody was killed, nobody was hurt, but it was um, you know one of those events that we could have rather done without. Um, so yeah, and uh, so the other thing that's happening this week, daylight saving. Um, it uh, seems pretty early to me. I quite like daylight saving in the summer, but uh, just at the moment everybody's mopping up again and we've all seen over the last few days um, some of the water that's been dropping on Southland and uh, now making its way through the North Island. I just hope Gisborne and Hawke's Bay and some of those areas that haven't got themselves fixed up yet don't get too smashed again because, you know, some people have had a pretty hard time lately. So just uh, wishing everybody the best in all the weather events that are going on and uh, hoping it's not affecting uh, farming and other parts of people's lives uh, too much again because we've certainly had more than our fair share of it in some parts of the country. So pretty much that's been my week, Neville. Well done. Thank you, Barbara. Today, Jim Hopkins talks about Groundswell's drive for change. Jim also talks about unworkable farm regulations that are driving farmers to commit suicide. Well, good evening, Jim Hopkins. Good evening, Nev. (laughs) Have you been following the Groundswell drive for change? Well, I have. Um, I'll I'll be absolutely candidly honest with you. I couldn't be um, candidly dishonest, but I shall be. Honestly candid and candidly honest, I've had a lot on my plate this weekend, so whilst I have been following it, I haven't been, um, you know, glued to um, various social media sources on a a minute-by-minute basis. But But I am aware of it, and I wish them every success. um, I like the idea of drive for change, and um, I think it reflects a mood that actually I was picking up, I happened to bump into some uh, political party candidates um, on Friday travelling through Amaru, and they, um, I sort of just asked them what the mood was and what they were picking up, and they said there was a mood for change everywhere. Um, mind you, they are a party that is advocating change, so it may be that people who want change talk to them and people who don't want change and like the status quo just simply avoid conversations. But... Um, I do get a sense that there is a mood for change, and I think the drive for change will under, underpin that and reinforce it and perhaps uh, amplify it as well. Good luck to them, I say. Jim, I was just going to bring to your notice that there's been a recent farm suicide in Taranaki, local, oh, no. and <laughs> yes. that is one of the things that Bryce mentioned today. And right. I just thought it would be apt to mention it on the show today that they are driving for positive change. Well, look, I agree with you. I presume um, I didn't hear the particular comment of Bryce's, but I'm, I presume that um, he was linking the suicide in some ways to the sort of um, uh, battering that farming and farmers have taken for the yes, years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, look, I've been saying it to anyone and everyone who will listen for many more years than I care to remember. I mean, I probably was like a lot of townies a bit ho-hum about farming until I put in a 21-year stint doing the Young Farmer of the Year competition. And I have um, 
I have genuinely come to see farming as not only essential uh, to our economic well-being, but it's one of the most innovative and uh, creative industries we have. And if you want productivity improvements, well, you only have to look at the stunning improvements in productivity in farming over a century, and um, you will you will actually uh, <clears throat> realise not only are they vital and, and essential, but also uh, innovative and, and 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 creative. So, um, I mean, anything that asserts that there's a good side to farming. And anything that asserts that the problems are either overstated or can be dealt with with innovation um, is entirely 100%, 120% right in my book. Well, that's well spoken. Thank you, Mr Hopkins. That's... My pleasure, young Nev. My pleasure indeed, sir. Well, that's the show for today. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll be back next week with more news from around New Zealand. Kakiri Anno. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com.